From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Rubin, thank you very much. Mike here with you. Uh, my wife, Jenny, would be here, but she's detained right now. Some stuff came up. Everything's okay. It's just, eh, you know, best laid plans and all that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully things will be calmed down for next week. All's good, though. Just got back from having a pretty big Mexican dinner. Maybe maybe we should have done the podcast before the Mexican dinner. But uh, no, the uh, the absence has nothing to do with the Mexican dinner, by the way. Um, but a uh, lot, lot to get through here on this episode, including uh, Slapgate. I'm sure you haven't gotten enough of those wonderful, wonderful slapping memes uh, involving Wolf Smith and, uh, and uh, <laughs> Chris Rock. That's been on the tip of everybody's tongue. Everybody's got a take on this, including O.J. Simpson, who... Um, well, let's just face it, man. Any any news story that O.J. Simpson's got an opinion on, maybe he should just sit it out. That's all I gotta say. Uh, but my wife and I enjoyed each other's company uh, earlier tonight at dinner, and we enjoyed our, com- our <laughs> each other's company Friday. Got home from work, and she had a surprise for me, and that surprise would be renting a movie. Oh yeah. Uh, some hot and heavy action in this movie. Uh, and this movie would be the 1987 cinematic uh, masterpiece known as Terror Squad, starring Chuck, the Rifleman Connors. And most of it was uh, filmed in my adopted hometown of Kokomo, Indiana, a place that I spent about a decade of my life in. Uh, she herself grew up in the town. But uh, back in the late 80s, they, they filmed this uh, air quote masterpiece on this mean streets at Kokomo, and uh, l- l- let me um, let me give you kind of a description of uh, what Terror Squad is, uh, thanks to IMDb. A squad of Libyan terrorists infiltrate the city of Kokomo, Indiana, and take over a nuclear power plant. Editor's note, there is no nuclear power plant in Kokomo. A counter-terrorist expert must stop them before they blow it up. And I guess uh, the counter-terrorist expert would be Chuck Connors or something. He's like a small-town sheriff. And um, there aren't a lot of terrorists in middle America. So there's that. Um, But uh, it was kind of funny because if you go to IMDb for any movie, it will tell you every detail about this movie. Uh, How it did financially, how well it received critically, who's all in the flick. Uh, some really neat trivia bits, uh, some of the mess-ups, the goof-ups they do in the movie. This is the lone bit of trivia uh, in Terror Squad. And it goes, quote, Despite being the star of the film, Chuck Connors does nothing during the movie to actually stop the terrorists. And that's pretty much true. All he really does is uh, open up the film by eating uh, at Cone Palace inside his police car. And Cone Palace is a wonderful establishment down in Kokomo, by the way. It's kind of like, uh, it's like that town's Dairy Queen, only better. And if you're ever in Kokomo, it's on the south side. And uh, <laughs> because, yeah, you, you know where everything is on the south side of Kokomo. Um, but, uh, you know, grilled pork, pork tenderloin sandwich with all the fixings, fries, and an Arctic squirrel is the way to go. But uh, Chuck Connors just basically um, eats Cone Palace, rides around his police car real fast, and screams into a bullhorn. That is it. And these terrorists from Libya decide to wreak havoc by uh, flying from Libya to Canada, getting on a boat across uh, the whole length of Lake Michigan, end up in Indiana somehow, I guess on the dunes, and they drive two and a half hours inland to Kokomo, 
and uh, try to blow up a nuclear power plant, which is not at all an actual paving place in Kokomo. It basically, uh, this uh, this asphalt company was the stand-in for the nuclear power plant. And there's the crazy police chase, uh, all these explosions, all these people getting shot. And then they end up in a, a high school in a detention hall with this teacher and five or six students. And there's a lot of screaming, a lot of crying, and... Um, it's really bad. It, the teens, I guess, are supposed to be kind of this breakfast club meets Red Dawn type of thing where uh, they're all outcasts, but somehow these students, um, I guess, stop the terrorists. This is a, this is a really bad movie. It's a, I don't even know if you would call it a B movie. It's more of like a D minus movie. Um, I was kind of hoping to get uh, Ginny in here to uh, talk a little bit about the details of it because... Uh, uh, her dad knew the guy that made the weapons that these teenagers use at the end of the film. Like this would be like a high school shot class that would uh, that would make these weapons. But uh, this guy made the weapons for it, and this dude actually built the engine for uh, her dad's race car, which is pretty cool. I mean, even the movie sucked. I mean, to have a connection in a film that somehow is uh, distributed by MGM. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, this isn't really something they brag about in the catalog there. That is still pretty freaking uh, cool, and if you have Xfinity, you can rent this. Although, according to my wife, my uh, my mother-in-law gets gets her version of Terror Squad for free because of the package she has with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> with Xfinity. Yeah, lucky her. So if you get a chance, rent Terror Squad, laugh your ass off. It's inadvertently one of the funniest... Uh, movies ever filmed so there's that uh, I do want to give a shout out to some people um, as uh, as much as uh, Taylor Hawkins passing sucked uh, was it a, a little over a week ago at the age of 50 heroin overdose uh, drug overdose there was like 10 different things in the system for crying out loud and it, it was one of those things you kind of ho- wish that he uh, that he kicked uh, it was nice to hear from some people that knew that a I'm a, a Foo Fighters fan and b uh, just shared my uh, mutual love of rock music. Some people I haven't talked to for a bit. Um, Steve Raznazzi, uh, who Ginny calls Raspberry, and by the way, Steve Raspberry would be a really cool name for uh, an adult contemporary radio DJ. Yeah, Steve Raspberry with you here, Chicago. Uh, but he and I were texting back and forth Friday night about uh, how much of a shock this was because, you know, again, we thought, well, you know, Taylor kicked it. You know, he, was, he was living his best life. He's in the, one of the world's biggest rock bands. He's a phenomenal drummer. You know, life should be theoretically good. And apparently it was not. And then uh, Saturday, I got to talk with Brian Madison, a.k.a. Maddie. Uh, he's loading up around Detroit, and uh, we were talking about how big of a bummer this was because, you know, again, we were mutual rock fans. Love the Foo Fighters. Uh, everybody loved the Foo Fighters. And then um, Monday, I'm way home from work this past week. James Bennett, who is, uh, uh, he's more of a recluse than I am. Uh, he called me up, and we talked for about 20-odd minutes. And uh, it, it, what, what sucked for him was that... Uh, Kelly Rector, who is his best friend, and, and Kelly's a cool dude, by the way, very nice guy, very uh, you know one of the, a guy that you would love to have a beer or four with. Um, I guess for Christmas, Kelly got him tickets to go see Foo Fighters down in Noblesville here in Indiana when they would uh, theoretically roll through town later on this year. And of course, the things happened with Taylor Hawkins. Foo Fighters uh, were scheduled to be at the Grammys, which are tonight. 
Sunday night on, uh, as of this recording. That's not happening. In fact, the whole tour ahead for Medicine Midnight, that's not happening. They canceled everything because obviously it's just it's a shock to the system. But uh, w- one of the weird ways Bennett described the Foo Fighters to me, he used the word wholesome. He goes, you know, they're, they're just this wholesome rock act. When you hear the word wholesome, you think to yourself, like, what, leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith. You think of, you know, Warm Milk and... Uh, 50s black and white TV. I I don't know. It just it seemed like a not a word, but it kind of made sense. That, you know when we got talking because Foo Fighters weren't really necessarily a controversial rock band. I, I don't know. Like the guys like to drink. I'm sure Dave Grohl loves pot and you know has had an occasional mushroom. That that's one thing. But you, you didn't get this sense of like they were Motley Crue trashing everybody's hotels. Uh, or like Marilyn Manson and uh, some of the stuff that he was into. There wasn't really this big controversy with Foo Fighters. They were just like this universally loved rock band. And sure, we all knew about Taylor, but like that even when that happened, even when that happened, like you didn't find out until about a year or two after the fact, really. There wasn't much of a hubbub about that. And you just assume from looking at Taylor and the fact that he was not withdrawn like a Scott Weiland, uh, that things were all cool with the band. And if you were to pick a band to be an ambassador to uh, for the rock genre, it would be Foo Fighters because those guys could really bring it on stage and they've checked off all the boxes when it comes to being a successful rock band. And so Wholesome, yeah, you, you kind of see that. But again, uh, going with Taylor Hawkins, uh, living his best life, you would think, and for him to be still as sad and upset and wanting to get away from it by taking something like heroin and some of the other things in the system, still brutal. And, uh, I don't know what the Foo Fighters are going to decide to do in the long run. Um, if they hung it up tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised and I couldn't blame them. But at the same time, you know, like a year or three from now, they're like, you know what? Let's let's continue on and see what we can do. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't be upset about that either. It's it's really a group decision and how uh, comfortable they feel about it. But yeah, Foo Fighters definitely rock ambassadors. Unlike uh, a couple of people in one name here, uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with this pushing Machine Gun Kelly into the rock genre. Um, and it just it kind of seems like this thing. Um, was uh, kicked off, so to speak, when he was um, cast as Tommy Lee in that Motley Crue biopic for, uh, or biopic rather, for Netflix. I always call it biopic. I don't know why. But, you know, him him being the drummer in that, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I'm a rock star, man, and I'm going to go to all these rock festivals and piss off people and get into a feud with Corey Taylor. I guess um, this past week he was on Howard Stern's radio show. I guess this was the week that Howard Stern decided to do a radio show. And uh, he and his backing band covered Aerials from System of a Down, pretty well-known song. And he just butchers this because, well, it's Machine Gun Kelly for crying out loud. Now, uh, there is, everybody's been dogging this performance. Uh, Darren, the drummer for System of a Down, though, kind of gives him kudos for trying. But I, Darren doesn't really strike me as a dude that would go out of his way to start up a feud with somebody, say like Machine Gun Kelly starting up a feud with Corey Taylor. Um, so I'm, I'm just sure, it's kind of one of those, yeah, it was, it was all right. Darren just being nice about it, I guess. But there's just this weird tendency to kind of pigeonhole 
these uh, these performers into a genre to get the genre ignited so people would listen to the radio stations or whatever. But yeah, Machine Gun Kelly is not rock. And uh, Chris Jericho, he, the front man for Fozzie, of course, phenomenal wrestler. When it comes to rock music, Chris Jericho is a phenomenal wrestler. And I've actually met a, a guy, one of the guitarists from Fozzie, and a very nice dude, as far as I can tell. But the band has hit some controversy this past week because in an interview, uh, Chris Jericho said, yeah, we use looped backing vocals in our live stuff, but everybody does at this point. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, that's not a problem. That doesn't really sound like rock music to me. I mean, it, it sounds like, hey, you know, we could be this raw, edgy thing on stage, or we can just, you know, rely on computers, laptops, auto-tune, and all that other fun stuff. Like all these other metalcore bands, all these other metal bands, and it'll be okay. I mean, you know, back in the day, back in uh, the early 2000s, you know, I had a friend of mine, and we would talk about uh, the state of rock music because it was new metal, and boy, that almost seems like the good old days now. Uh, but we were talking about who's going to be the next Kurt Cobain in terms of bringing that raw, that raw, edgy sound back, uh, bringing rock music something it hasn't heard before. Never happened. Never happened. Everything keeps getting more overproduced, and uh, you know the fact that they're kind of shrugging about this. So oh, it's not a big deal, you know. Everybody uses uh, backing loop vocals. You can. There are some things you can get away with in an album, with with making an album. But you really kind of lose legitimacy doing if you try to pull it off live. Like a rock band to me. If, if you're going into a studio to record an album, you should be thinking about, okay, not only how do we get this laid down track by track, if you're all in that whole eight-track recording thing, uh, but how do we perf uh, pull this off live? Because you can kind of get away with loop vocals in a studio, but it just it sounds so overproduced, you know, when it's live. And that's why guys like Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots are now considered rock music because basically rock music's trying to go pop and it's just, it's not a good sound. Uh, but that's kind of the rant I have about those and how uh, I really want a band like Foo Fighters to still figure out a way to make things work. But again, given the circumstances. All right, so let's get to Slapgate. Um, and... Uh, Basically, the nuts and bolts of it was like last Sunday, an award show that when nobody watched the Oscars, Chris Rock was up on stage uh, and uh, basically told a G.I. Jane joke during his presentation and alluded to Jada Pickett-Smith, who is bald, because she's got that condition where she's bald. And Jada Pickett-Smith is not a bad-looking woman. So who cares if she's bald, right? Well, Will Smith does, because she he's uh, the husband. He has to prove that he loves her. So he goes up during uh, Chris Rock's thing, slaps him, and he goes, you keep my wife's name out of your bleeping mouth. They cut the commercial. That was fun. And by the way, the FCC got like 66 complaints on that. It, just to show you how nobody's watching the Oscars, that's nowhere near the ballpark of uh, the uh, Shakira, J-Lo halftime show of the Super Bowl a few years back. Um, but... Yeah, Will Smith won Best Actor for King Richard. He got up on stage and had a speech where he was saying, you know, everybody should love everybody, even though he showed Chris Rock no love. 
Now, there are people that think that this is staged. I'm not in that ballpark. I'm pretty much 95% sure that this was not staged just because the fact, uh, well, two things. One, the reputation that Will Smith has, the hit that his reputation has taken because he had to resign from the Academy and they were talking about, you know, there was some talk about, hey, maybe we should revoke his Oscar. I don't think that should happen personally because the performance and the action, two different things. And secondly, you know, the, the fact that this thing went viral, you know, everybody knows he hit him and there we got like a kajillion memes out of this friggin' thing. But does, does Will Smith slapping Chris Rock make you want to sit through a three-and-a-half-hour award show next year? And the answer would be no, nobody would. So what's the point of televising it? I don't understand that. That's, that's kind of the, the two reasons why I don't really buy into the whole staged thing. But I understand why Chris Rock, or um, not Chris Rock, uh, Will Smith slapped him, and that's because he's frustrated. He's frustrated with his life. He is frustrated with his marriage to Jada Pickett-Smith because she kind of cheated on him. And now she's like, oh, we have an open relationship and everybody understands. And I think, you know, when you have, when you live with a woman for so long, you're married to her, you have kids, you start thinking to yourself, well, I got to make this work. I got to make this work. And you start getting into being gaslit. Either you're gaslighting yourself or she is doing something to gaslight you. But you buy into the narrative that I have to be a good husband. And in this relationship, I don't see if there's any way for him to be a good husband because she really doesn't come off as a good wife for the most part. I mean, you know, till death do us part, you know, you're man and wife, not man, wife, and some other dude or three because, hey, why not? You know, not, not to make this a wholesome podcast, but I think that he feels pressure to prove to her that, hey, I still love you. But I don't think she really appreciates that. So, if I was to be the hitch to Will Smith in terms of relationships, I would say dump her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, I don't really give a lot of uh, advice to celebrities, and you know, I'm sure he would smack me if I said that. Um, but in terms of how to punish this guy, I really don't think taking away his Oscar is the way to go. And him resigning the Academy, I mean, I don't know. I probably would have told him, hey, look, you can't come to the Oscars next year. Sit it out and then work in something where he cuts a check to some cele- uh, some charity and then call it even. And just say, hey, look, we know you get a little hot-headed, you're, you know, whatever. But you can't go up there and do that. I mean, you have to have some consequences with Will Smith. But I don't think he's a war criminal. I don't think he should be arrested. If Chris Rock is not going to press charges against him, I don't see what the big deal is about going after Will Smith at this point. Like I said, a lot of people are distancing themselves from him. His reputation is taking a hit. There's some projects that he's involved with that have been uh, on hold, including the sequel to Bad Boys, which I find weird because Bad Boys is a movie about cops not following the rules. You you would think, hey, look, Will Smith's a bad boy. Whatever. So there's that. Um, uh, but, but everybody's reaction has been stupid about this. Uh, Jim Carrey said something about how that when the Oscar crowd uh, cheered on Will Smith that uh, we lost the right to be called the cool kids, which he's right about. But he goes, uh, if I was uh, Chris Rock, I would sue Will Smith for $200 million. I'm thinking, well, the only way Chris Rock would get $200 million out of Will Smith is, you know, if his face fell off after being slapped. It just, um, yeah, it's overkill. 
We should move on. We really should. Will Smith did something stupid. Yes, he should be punished. But again, it's so overboard, especially considering how the Oscars haven't really done anything to take away awards from uh, Harvey Weinstein or Roman Polanski, who are far worse people than Will Smith. There's that. And by the way, if Rick, uh, Ricky Gervais said on Twitter, if he was hosting the uh, the Academy Awards, <laughs> he wouldn't make fun of the fact that uh, Jada Pickett Smith is uh, bald. He would make fun of the fact that she has a boyfriend. And that's the problem. Again, Will Smith is gaslighting himself. And, you know, in a way, it kind of related to this whole Taylor Hawkins thing because Chris Rock, or not Chris Rock, Will Smith, a lot of names coming out of my mouth here, and I should keep them out of my mouth. Will Smith has had a very successful life. You know, he's had a great music career. He's had a great sitcom. He's had, you know, big blockbusters. He's now got this Oscar. And he seems absolutely miserable. Like the whole world, tip of your fingers, and still you got problems. Mm, I don't know. But uh, seriously, if the Oscars want to do something, maybe they should stick to making movies that people, or, you know, honoring movies people have seen instead of, well, that's a whole other rant for another day. Now, I, I do want to give a shout out to an otherwise great movie career for one, uh, Bruce Willis, guy that came to prominence back in the 80s with uh, the show Moonlighting. Then he had the big blockbuster Die Hard, a uh, whole bunch of other movies, including Pulp Fiction and. Um, the Sixth Sense announced earlier this week via social media because uh, by his daughter rumor that he is retiring from acting. 67 years old, he's got something called aphasia. Not necessarily a disease. Uh, some are saying that aphasia is basically a symptom of a disease. And uh, it's um, stroke-like symptoms where you kind of forget where you are. Um, you have trouble talking. You have trouble enunciating, all that fun stuff. And uh, it's, it's very unfortunate, but it, you know, was it a couple months ago? Yeah, they announced the nominations for the Razzies, which is the anti-Oscars. It's basically pointing out the worst of the worst when it comes to the past year's films. And they had a special category this past year called Worst Bruce Willis Performance. And uh, it was eight friggin' movies. He made eight movies this past year, usually an actor. Uh, he, he might see him in like two or three movies if they're pushing their, their luck. Um, but he made eight. And I was trying to figure out why the hell was he doing this? Because, uh, you know, eight movies, and especially when they're like direct to streaming and, you know, they're getting negative reviews. I was wondering if he was in sort of financial dire straits or if he was just taking advantage of the work because of COVID and people not wanting to do as much. Um, but no, the aphasia thing, I think it was just trying to do as much as you could before you step away. And uh, I, and these movies are not good. I mean, I, you can just tell by looking at the trailer. Uh, but one of the filmmakers behind the movie was talking about how they had Bruce Willis on set for two days and uh, he had to have his lines fed to him via an earpiece. Like somebody would say the lines to him in his earpiece and he would repeat them. It was kind of like uh, what they did, I think, with was it Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Except Marlon Brando didn't have a fascia. He was just fat, lazy, and wanted to walk around in his underwear. Whereas Bruce Willis is legitimately struggling. 
this gets announced this past week, and the folks at the Razzies are like, oh, shit, um, are bad. Yeah, because, like, look, they're making fun of bad movies, but they didn't know Bruce Willis was struggling with this. This isn't announced until this past week. And, you know, unlike, you know, the uh, the Will Smith, Chris Rock crowd, I don't think anybody's out to cancel the Razzies. I'm not. Um, but they said, hey, look, our bad, our mistake, we rescind the whole category in the award for worst Bruce Willis performance. It's a little too late there, guys. But look, like I said, nobody knew at this point, so I can't get mad at the Razzies. They're doing their thing, kind of like Chris Rock being up on stage doing his thing. <sighs> but uh, our, our thoughts and prayers and all that go to Bruce Willis and his family. And thank you for all the, the great flicks, even the bad flicks, Bruce, because to do what you love for as long as you get to do it, that's a blessing every day, and you will be missed on the screens, both uh, small and big. Now, um, kind of a big deal out of uh, Las Vegas. Going to wrap this up here a little early, this edition, since I'm flying solo. Um, as you know, one of the most universally hated concepts for a homeowner unless you're a Karen type, is the Homeowners Association, the HOA. Every, you know, a lot of subdivisions, a lot of neighborhoods have these things, basically these governing bodies telling you how tall your grass should be, what shade of color your house should be, whether or not you can put up a tool shed, a pool, whatever. Uh, I do have one in my neighborhood, and I have had no major beefs with them, but then again, I haven't tried to put up anything because... Oh, yeah, I like laying on the couch. It's not a bad thing. Um, but this uh, HOA out in Las Vegas has basically gone full communist. And uh, it's called Rhodes Ranch, the subdivision. And it is up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page if you want to uh, take a get a look-see at this. But basically, uh, if a guest of a residence in the neighborhood, in this neighborhood, and gets caught speeding on camera like going above the speed limit not only will this person be ticketed but the uh, homeowner that invited or hosted said guest gets ticketed and i was like what the hell is this crap is this uh, this neighborhood funded by the chinese communist government or something i mean it's it's like hey you're it's your responsibility you need to get fined too can't control how stupid your relatives are during the holidays and, I, and i'm thinking to myself you know, we've had two years now of busybody experts telling you uh, who you can and cannot associate with in these fill-in-the-blank times. Now we're all in this together until, of course, you're all together, and then that's holy crap, terrible, you're worse than Hitler, you're going to kill everybody. And now you got this stuff with this HOA saying, hey, we're going to find people who are known to you, and you as well. No, you find the idiot for speeding in the neighborhood, and you keep the hell away from me. And the, the there is a little, um, um, I don't know, there, there is a little bit of a loophole in this one. It's like if, if Amazon or UPS or FedEx gets caught speeding delivering to your house, uh, you won't get fined. But I'm sure that's somewhere in the back of some busybody Karen's head. And I got to tell you, if, if you do things like this, uh, they'll look for more ways to find you because that's what busybodies do. They cannot leave you the uh, alone. They have to be right and you have to be wrong. Yeah, um, they're way in hell that would fly in this neighborhood. Besides, the streets are too narrow, too speeded. Don't ask me how I know. 
So that's basically it for this uh, this go around. Do appreciate you listening. Hopefully, uh, the wife will be back in studio with me next week. And until next week, enjoy your week. Talk You've to you later. You've been listening to Mike Davidson live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.